1: a very merry draft miss to you thank you for joining us today my name is ken swanson i'm the lead film and draft analyst for arrowhead pride this is the ap draft show coming at you about a month away from the nfl draft we got a lot to talk about today we're going to talk about trade-ups into the 21 to 24 range and what kind of player pool we could expect based on you know kind of recent speculation we're going to talk about round two corners with craig because We've been talking a lot about a potential, you know, round one edge. Wait till cornerback in the second round. What does that mean? What players are going to be there? We're going to have Craig break those down. We're going to end the show with a mailbag as we always do. Uh, but I'm going to talk. Uh, Jake's here with me as always. Find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Jake, how you doing, my man? Not so good. Wait, why?
2: Well, did your phone did your phone break again? No is my the phone, roastery closing? No, it's thriving. I'm not doing <laughs> I mean doing it's lo- better be thriving. Yeah, I'm st- with your business. My $1.03 I spend there every day on a coffee. <laughs> I'm not doing well because my timeline has been flooded with nonsense. Free agency nonsense. <laughs> Free agency has been done since The first 11 minutes of the tampering period. Let's move on. Let's stop talking about it. If your team signs a free agent at this point in time, he's not that good. (laughs) And it's not going to help your team that much. Are you throwing shade at Bashad Breland? No, Bashad's good. I like Bashad. But (laughs) what I'm saying is, let's move on to the real game changers of the offseason and all that we have coming up, and that is the NFL draft class what we should be focusing our attention on
1: if 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 draft miss is a thing free agency is your thanksgiving and people should be playing after thanksgiving is when you're allowed to play christmas music so you're allowed to read draft profiles from here on out it is this is officially the there's nothing else to pay attention to except for draft season we it is upon us and uh, yeah, so we, we you know we're we're here to to help you do that. And one of the ways we're doing that, the KC Draft Guide. I know we've talked about it every week. Uh, it's something we're really excited about, and it's basically our passion project. And all the stuff that we are bringing to you when it comes to the podcast, and when it comes to you know the the profiles and stuff we're doing on Arrowhead Pride, and the videos, and all that stuff. It's kind of rooted in all the stuff we're doing with the draft guide. Over three hundred prospects are going to be ranked. Uh, Over 200 write-ups about how prospects specifically fit the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, we're so excited to show you guys this stuff. I think we're going to have some teasers out here in the next day or two, kind of letting you see the layout of what one of our pages looks like. Um, And we've got some really cool features. Craig's working on something very unique Um, He's been working on this week about you know Cornerbacks and kind of helping you know using athletic profiles and stuff to help predict success with the uh, with the cornerback position I'm really excited to read it Um, So we've got a lot of cool stuff if you go to gum dot co slash KC draft promo code nerd gets you the guide for six dollars and ninety nine cents and um it's it's uh it's it's gonna be really awesome and we're we're about dead i this week jake we've been watching the bottom of the bill prospects like we're well over 300 prospects now uh but we want to do due diligence and kind of get the guys that aren't gonna make the guy to make sure that we don't lose any diamonds in the rough mm. and i've watched some very ungood prospects this week
2: I don't yeah. know about you. The rough is, it's mostly just the rough. There's
1: no, and, yeah, there's not, yeah, with no, that many diamonds. However, have, there was a diamond that you found oh, today. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Who so, was that? So, I mean, when you go through this stuff, you definitely are just like looking for, a lot of times just looking for traits, like one or two things that a guy can do, um, or even if it's just like a handful of plays that you see a guy do that kind of make you open your eyes. But there was one specific person and he played for he played for a really bad college football team in Wake Forest um, and that is offensive lineman offensive guard Phil Hayes Haynes, this dude Didn't Even knows name. Yeah, a, <laughs> yeah I mean that, like
1: that's, that guys are bleeding
2: that guy point. but he is an absolute mauler in the run game and if there's one thing I like to watch and I'll I'll admit it I'll admit interior offensive line is my least favorite position to evaluate it's the t- the tape is yeah. like 27 minutes long and it's just guys bumping up against each other and it's it's not fun always but phil haynes is is fun he is the type of guy that's fun to watch because he is an absolute soul-crushing run blocker i actually tweeted out a gif of him today and i kind of just said if you're going to be around this guy you got to keep your head on a swivel because he's not satisfied unless you are like in the ground your nose is in the dirt and And that's just how he plays. He's got violent hands, super good punch. He tested in the elite range on his RAS, so he's a guy that I'm actually really excited about. I think he he may be a little bit overlooked right now because he played for such a bad uh, college football team, but he's probably someone that NFL teams aren't probably know quite a bit about. But in the draft community, I've not heard him talked about a lot. He is fun if you get a chance to. I usually wouldn't say go out and watch some offensive guard play for fun but he's a fun watch okay so
1: i was gonna ask you this from a like the chiefs they they lean on you know zone they lean on outside zone is that a guy that makes sense from a an outside
2: zone team not he's like so in my negatives i just put like you know he's not like the fleetest of foot he doesn't move super well laterally um at least on tape he didn't show that so he may be a little bit of a a scheme fit um and maybe not a great fit for the chiefs but like like a gap power right and you know so he but also He scored. He's in the elite range in his relative athletic testing. Oh, so he might be a guy that just really wasn't asked to do that a ton, or maybe a guy that still has the athletic ability to do that, um, but you didn't see a lot of that on tape. And in fact, you saw a lot of stuff that would suggest maybe he couldn't. But a guy like that, you just never really know till you get your hands on, you get him in camp because he's got those elite traits. Um, But he's he's a mean dude. He's just a tone setter. I mean, those are what make this thing fun, though, is finding guys like that amidst all of the. (laughs) <laughs> well, he would be a guy too. That right let's now. say the Chiefs do draft him. That's that's what you would lean on. Is while well, the tape didn't really show that it looks like he's going to be able to fit in that outside zone scheme, but the Chiefs must feel that he's got the athleticism to do right. it. That he's got the movement skills. So, yeah. um, and and he's got the testing numbers to back it up. So he'd be a guy that'd be really interesting to keep an eye on. Okay, we're going to
1: bring Maddie on to talk about potential trade up candidates how the board could look when they get to that range that they could trade up. And then we're going to talk to Craig about cornerbacks after that. But uh, we're going to take a break real quick here. And we are joined from his car by Matthew Lane in Carolina. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. How you doing, bud?
3: I'm doing good. This is the the normal Thursday setup for me when uh, the joint office at work is full of multiple people. We have to get pushed out into the car. So uh, hopefully most Thursdays Yeah, the commitment Most Thursdays the office is available But some nights it gets busy and there's somebody else up there And they don't enjoy hearing me blab about uh football While they're trying to eat their lunch uh, the whole time
2: Office life I, Yeah, I like how you like introduce Matt Like this is like not a normal thing Like Matt's <laughs> always like munching down on something In his car <laughs> while, while he's joining us Eating his lunch at 9 o'clock at night
1: Yeah, that's all a fact I mean, like, I appreciate the grind, man. Shred the shred, you mean? The, the shred. shred. Yeah, oh, we, I'm don't sorry. Grind, we don't we grind. We shred around here. We don't grind. We shred. I forgot. We're the Aldi version of of grinding the tape.
3: <laughs> that's a that's a blast at Aldi and us. I think at the same time. How dare you speak
2: ill of Aldi? I maybe maybe we're not. I think we're the target of those things. I mean, it's better than we're the Walmart.
3: Mm. (laughs) Kmart failed (laughs) much much better welcome to the AP shopping store podcast
1: that is the worst joke that has been told on this podcast and it's staying in Uh, the worst joke I think that's a
3: a stretch
2: I've had some pretty bad ones I'm going to tell an inside joke and I know no one's going to get it but we're going to laugh do you think there's any rotisserie chicken (laughs) at this
3: shopping mart yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think most Kmart's do sell, in fact, sell rotisserie chickens.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: okay, Can we, let's talk about real football now. So w- after we recorded the laboratory, we kind of were sitting around roundtabling, talking through scenarios and like trying to have a realistic expectation of you know a player. There's a potential for a player we like to be there in that twenty-one to twenty-four range. And then you kind of took the liberty of doing some research. And I I, I think it's pretty accurate. Like, I think this is pretty close to what will happen. Maddie, why don't you just explain what you did and how you looked at it and and the players that you think are probably going to be gone in the 20s.
3: Right. So what I was just doing when we were talking about it was going through and just slating in guys that I think are 100% going in the top 20. And I try to err on the side of kind of caution with this. So if I think there's a chance a guy falls, I didn't put his name down just to kind of get a general consensus of who's going to be there after pick 20 if we do want to trade up. So we were just going through knocking out quarterbacks, you know, one wide receiver, one tight end. This isn't like a top 20 players, although it's pretty close just because these are the guys that are consensus Top 20 picks by everybody, but we were just looking at the players. So we have about 18 guys that I put in there is definitely top 20 picks, and that still doesn't include three potential first round edges in Brian Burns, Montez Sweat, and Cleveland Farrell. Now, there's no way that not a single one of them go in the top 20. There's a good chance that two. There's a, even a chance that maybe three, but you're kind of running out of picks at that point in time. So the whole point of the exercise was just to see at pick 21 if one of these defensive end-type players was going to be available for a trade-up.
1: Right, so it's not necessarily like a you're going to have a pool. You're not going to have one of these three to choose from. You're not going to get to hand-pick which one, but it's more there's good edge talent that we think might be available at 21 just based on how the board will or very likely could play out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it is. I think if you're looking at pick 21 specifically, like I said, I have 18 names that I put as locks for the top 20 and you're going to put in, you're going to slate most likely your next two players. If you're looking at any of these names that I have left and I won't read every single one of them, but you're looking at probably getting burned sweat or feral, two of those three off the board in your next two picks Maybe a fourth quarterback if a team really likes Daniel Jones. But that leaves you at pick 21, maybe even 22. You're left with one of those edge players. One of those three edge players left. Maybe it's not your first choice. Maybe it is. But it's just showing that there's an option to not have to trade up into the mid-teens to get a defensive end once you start to break down the entire class as a whole. I think this
1: exercise is kind of important. I think this is what teams are doing. You know, They're looking and saying the Vikings are going offensive line. The... Uh, The Broncos are going quarterback. They're kind of playing through all these scenarios to kind of understand how far up the board they moved. Matt, out of curiosity, how many quarterbacks did you put in your conservative estimate?
3: I put three, and I I feel very confident saying at least three are going to go in the top 20. I think Murray's a lock. Haskins should be a lock, but I think that you're starting to hear a little bit of information that some people think the NFL isn't as high on him, but then you hear the whiteboard stuff. So I still consider him as, I mean, when I say a lock here, I'm probably talking above 90% in my mind because you can never say for certain that someone's going. And then Drew Locke, there was way too many people at his pro day showing a lot of interest with like heavy investment. Of their scouting department, whether it's a head scout, coaches, GMs, or at Drew Locke's pro day, there's no way the NFL is just not interested in his physical talent at this point in time.
1: So I think one thing it's fair to say with all this is you are rooting for quarterbacks early and often to force people's hands on Daniel Jones.
3: Yeah, you want all three of these quarterbacks gone by the time the Giants pick their second time of there at 17 I believe it is. You yes. want all three of these quarterbacks gone and you don't want the Giants to have taken one of them. You want them to take Daniel Jones. You also want teams to feel desperate to protect their quarterbacks and take a offensive lineman and a good offensive line class. Like those are your right. two keys to getting a defensive end to fall is getting as many offensive linemen and as many quarterbacks off the board as you can. Quarterbacks always go. Strong O-line class. That's why I feel like there's a good chance you don't have to trade up to 15 to get a defensive end this year.
1: And that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, in, you're rooting you're, you're rooting for offensive line. And I think that the teams, there's there's some teams that very realistically could take offensive line, right? You know, and you think about the Vikings first. Like, the Vikings gotta be like almost a near lock to go offensive line, for instance. And, um, you know, that's, 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 Those kind of moves there help the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to be a pretty important one because I think they could go edge. So if they do choose to go offensive line there, then that's a huge win for the Chiefs.
3: Yeah, and that's the next step of the exercise is starting to slate some of these players into actual fits. and That way you can expand beyond the top 20. I can start looking at what you think about 22, 3, 4, going down the list even farther. Right now, I wasn't looking at any specific fits yet. But over the weekend, I'm sure I'll get bored at some point in time and start doing that. And like you said, I already think the Panthers, the Giants, are the two big teams that are kind of the pivot point for the Chiefs in terms of getting a defensive end. If yeah. you get Once you get past those two teams, yeah, there's other teams that could use them. But those are the two that I think are a little too far forward that you feel super comfortable trading up in front of. But if it gets by them, you can trade up in front of the Raiders or the Eagles pretty easily. And those are kind of other teams that you think are going to be heavy on the pass rush market.
2: And I think you can go back or earlier even into the draft, and I think a huge pick is at number three at what the Jets do with that third pick. Do they take edge? Do they go tackle, or do they trade out of the pick too? Because if they take edge, you're going to start seeing that run on edges go earlier.
3: Yeah, and I agree with that. That's definitely the first one. And that changes probably the bigger grand scheme of the draft is what the Jets decide to do. I was just thinking specifically from the Chiefs' perspective with getting a falling edge, like getting that last guy, You're looking at the Panthers or the Giants are kind of the last team. If there's one edge left after them, you absolutely have to trade up as soon as you can. If you get by them with two or three guys that you still like on the board, you feel a little more comfortable waiting to the early 20s rather than jumping straight up there. But yeah, the Jets, I think everybody knows it. They need O-line. They need some pass rush, but they're also willing to trade out based on having to give up picks last year. They control the entire draft. We'll know picks one and two most likely before the draft starts are a good idea. But the Jets, you have no idea what they're going to do, and they can change everything.
1: I think the other thing that is worth keeping an eye on is Oakland at four. If they take an edge... They definitely could double dip, like I don't doubt about it. But maybe they're not as aggressive about double dipping. You know, maybe they don't trade up from, you know, twenty four to twenty one or twenty four to twenty. Like that's another thing I'm kind of keeping an eye on. If they go edge, maybe they're not as desperate later in the draft to go acquire one. So that's another thing to think about. Uh, but I do think that they're going to have to jump the Raiders most likely, and I think that's that's going to be important. The good news for the Chiefs, though is 21, 22, 23, that range, it sounds like they're willing to sell.
3: Yeah, and if you find these teams that are willing to sell, especially if the board doesn't fall the way they want it to, if they're looking for even more offensive linemen, especially interior guys, you can probably snag them back at pick 29. You can get a very good interior offensive lineman if that's Mm -hmm. what you need, like teams like the Vikings or even the Texans who just need any single offensive lineman. You can trade back. Maybe they'll be willing to take a little bit less on a value chart to get back out of that pick just to gain that extra pick because that means more to them than 50 extra points or whatever it may be. So right. it's looking like a buyer's market still. You hear more and more teams every day willing to trade back. You're looking at, like I said, that that 20 to 22, 23 range. you got to get ahead of the Raiders, especially if they don't take an edge with their first pick.
1: Okay, Maddie, if you had to guess today in a trade-up, who do the Chiefs get with the, let's call it the 21st pick?
3: I'm still saying that I think Cleveland Farrell is going to be the last defensive end left on the board. I'm not 100% sure why why we don't think the NFL likes him as much as they did at the beginning or like going into last offseason when people thought he was going to enter the draft. But out of just all the hype you hear about people, he seems to have the lowest. So I think he's the guy. And thankfully, he perfectly fits what we think the Chiefs are going to be doing at defensive end.
1: Yep, I totally agree. That's that's lockstep where I'm at right now. That's Matty Lane. Thanks for uh, joining us, bud.
3: Thank you, guys. I'll be here next week with uh, even worse joke than the uh, supermarket joke or store market, whatever <laughs> I even went with, because that was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. Catch you later, man. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. Find him on Twitter, at BarleyHop. It is Craig Scout and Craig. I'm so tired. I don't even feel like giving an old joke right now.
4: Oh wow! I know, man. Well, I'm over here drinking coffee at 8:44, so that makes me young. I I, I get
1: no, no. It doesn't. It it still doesn't. (laughs) Like it. I just I the lag. We were talking earlier. Like the grind is real right now.
4: (laughs) It's a home stretch, Ken. It's a home we stretch. Kick. It's, we got kick right now. I know. It Saved it's, up our reserves. We're going. It's now.
1: exciting. Like I, I, am energized in a lot of ways, but also like, I mean, the grind is real. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we talked to Maddie a little bit earlier about trade up scenarios to that 21 to 24 range, and you know, one of the things that we've kicked around here a little bit is the edge. You know, going early on edge and then waiting for round two. Uh, At the cornerback position, I wanted to kind of define what that means, you know, with names. Who do we look at as round two corners? Some of these guys, maybe all these guys that we're about to talk about, they may not even be there at 61.
2: Well, wait a second. Can I just jump in here real quick? I'm looking at this list of players, and they all look like reaches to me, Craig, at 29. (laughs) Why would you take any of them at 29? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, one of them on the list is the guy that we talked about
4: earlier this this week, Justin Lane. But let me preface this with that. When I made that Justin Lane pick, there's a lot of people that screamed reach. And then as the week went along, Matt Miller, uh, the Draft Network guys, a bunch of people came out and basically told everybody, hey, Justin Lane's going early round two, late round one. Like,
2: oh, it's right. happening. Because they listen to the pod.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we inform all these people, clearly. Of course. But (laughs) the thing is, in the past three drafts, there have been an average of nine cornerbacks taken before pick 61. I know we've mentioned that before, but let's bring it up again. Nine. That's nine, ten, and eight in the past three years. So if you don't think that Justin Lane is in your top 10 corners, then yes, you're probably right. He probably will be available at 61. But if you do think that Justin Lane is one of the top 10 corners in this class, he ain't there. So let's go through some of these guys a little bit and we'll talk about them a little bit and kind of talk about the the sorts of things that they bring to the table and about you know what we could expect if the Chiefs were to get him.
1: I like that. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's a good approach to that. And some of these guys have been mocked in round one. Uh, let's start with Amani Orowarie. Got to talk to him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, what do you think about him?
4: I I like him a lot. Uh, when you watch Amani Orowarie, the thing that you see the most is that he's long and he has ball skills and he's quick. And those are the three things. Those are kind of the things that we're going to hammer home through this segment that – both Brett Veach and Steve Spagnola have said they want long, fast corners with ball skills. Amani fits that, and he also fits in a zone scheme. You don't want him pressing very often, but he's a guy that fits really well in a zone scheme. Smart guy would be able to run all these pattern matching coverages that Spagnola is going to put out there. He's probably an early round two guy. He might slip into the back of round one, particularly with like the Patriots there. That's, he, he seems like a very Patriots guy. He does. So I, he'd be a guy that they'd have to either take at 29, or if he fell sort of towards the middle of the second, be able to trade up.
1: Okay. Let's talk about Joe Juan Williams, quarterback the, from the Vanneville. man.
4: The man's so nice they named it twice in his fresh name. <laughs> Johan Williams, uh 63 212 at the combine. He is huge and he has fluid hips. He ran his agility drills really well. He's just he's going to be a project guy, but that sort of size and athleticism you just can't find. Like you don't find athletes like that to go out and play corner he's a guy that's going to need development you'll you'll be able to get a little bit out of him this year but he's definitely a year two year three year four kind of guy he actually might make it to 61 if some teams really just need you know guys that can step on the field immediately joe juan probably isn't that guy this year so he might fall okay let's talk about the man of the
1: hour Justin Lane, cornerback, Michigan State, recent wide receiver transfer. Uh, trans, uh, yeah, transfer. I guess that's does that work? Mm-hmm. Translate. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. See, it's he, it, the grind. Hashtag grind. The grind.
4: <laughs> he played both ways for Michigan State as recently as last year. Uh, long as well, crazy fast, ran really fast, and probably the best ball skills in the class. Coming from a wide receiver, you know, was a highly recruited wide receiver. So he he's a guy that you're going to be able to put on the field immediately. Another zone-type corner that could play really well in some pattern-matching schemes. Understands route distributions from playing as a receiver. He just makes a ton of sense for this Chiefs defense. But again, early round two, maybe late round one for him.
1: Okay, let's talk about a guy that was really highly regarded, you know, even as recently as three months ago. Two months ago, started to kind of taper off lately after combine interviews didn't go great after his athletic testing was very average. DeAndre Baker from Georgia.
4: Yeah, and he's a guy that leading into the combine, everybody said was really going to test through the roof. Like they expected him to test really, really, really well, and then he didn't. And he bombed the interviews, and then people kind of took a second to, to reflect. His tape wasn't ever you know, particularly great. He's got a lot of holes in his game. He's not particularly big. He's not particularly great at the ball or at the catch point. But he is a good all-around corner. I do think that his range now is that late round two spot. I, I just don't know if he fits the size, speed, ball skill parameters that Steve Spagnolo is going to want at that point. But he's a guy that can kind of do everything. And that's another kind of requirement for Spagnolo. So I think he could be a guy there at the end of the second round, especially for a guy that was getting round one buzz, you know, a couple months ago, into the second round. I think that's about where his value is, maybe early third.
1: Okay. So another guy that I think we're probably a little bit lower on than some. You know, you don't know exactly where his range is going to be. Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback from Clemson, who finished incredibly strong uh, with his national championship performance.
4: Yeah, and he's he's a guy that the second half of the year, he had really, really good tape. So he kind of came into his own as the year went along, another diverse guy that can do a little bit of everything. He's a good athlete as well, and he's got enough length that I think that he could function within this scheme, but he's not really put that on tape for consistent years. He just kind of came on late, so there's going to be a lot of questions. What player are you getting I've always kind of had this early round three grade on him. I don't think that I'd be mad at taking him in that round two range, and I think that's probably where he'll go. But there's a lot of questions about him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him slide towards the end of round three, just one of those guys that falls through the cracks after everybody goes for all the bigger names. Early round three
1: or late round three or early round three?
4: For him, yeah, I had him as early round three.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, one more guy I want to talk to you about, and this is a guy we loved talking to at the Senior Bowl and one of my favorite players in this entire class. Rak Yasin, ascending player from Temple, uh what do you think about him? He he seems to be like the darling this week uh in the draft community.
4: Absolutely. Uh he had his pro day and he looked really good at his pro day. The his agilities were the thing that was kind of really low on him because he did bench really well. Uh, his vertical was good. His 40 was good. So he, everything looked pretty good, and then he got to the agilities drills, and he looked very stiff. And so the people had some questions about his footwork, about what he was going to do. He did his pro day this week and looked great. So I think a lot of those are eliminated. But, yeah, he's definitely a guy like Joe Juan that you, you're you going to have to kind of learn with him on the fly. I think you can get more out of rock than Joe Juan Year one, just because Rock is just kind of escalating through. He started at Presbyterian College, went to Temple last year. He's only been at Temple one year. So he's going to be a guy that's still learning the game of football, learning the speed of football, but he seems to be a quick learner. He's a guy that's got the right kind of football character. He's got the right wiring to be a good player. I would be. Ex- if he's there at sixty one to jump out and take him there, but I just feel like everybody loves him so much that he's going to go much earlier than any of us think. I think he's an early round two guy as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean some people are saying he could he could slip into late round one and I I get it. Like you know what you want to talk about Bill Belichick?
4: Oh yeah. Yeah that makes a I, lot football of football character? Yeah.
1: The football character, the you know the ascension that he's seen, the growth and development that he's had over the last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see it, man. Yep, There's,
4: absolutely. There might be
1: more. Pro- there might be more projection to him than than some are giving him credit for.
4: I think so too. I, he's coming off of. He's got this wrestling background that really makes him a force at the line from from a press standpoint. He's really great with his hands, and so I think that that that's not teachable. Like you don't teach that in football. So he's going to be a guy that I think is going to learn really quick. A lot of the things that he needs to pick up and hit the field early. That is
1: Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at barleyhop. Thanks my man.
4: Thanks.
5: Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. And it's time to do a
1: draft mailbag here with Jake. Going to answer some of the questions that you guys have put out there. Thank you, as always, for all those questions. We're going to try to get through as many as we can. At Jack Oliver KC asks, is Christian Wilkins a prospect that you would like the Chiefs to trade up for? So with Wilkins, like I like the player a lot, and I think I'm probably – I might be one of the higher grades that we have on him. I don't know if that's a guy you trade up for, though. I think if you're going to try to you know, trade up, you're looking to identify an edge, a very obvious need. Now, the exception would be like if Ed Oliver inexplicably falls to 18, I'm just I'm doing stupid things to just try to get him, you know, because he's like a top five talent for us other than that along the interior defensive line i'm probably focusing on trying to acquire an edge and if i can't acquire an edge in the trade-up i'm probably just gonna see what what's sitting there at 29 i don't know about you jake uh
2: yeah i don't think christian wilkins is a guy that i necessarily would be excited about a trade-up for i think if he are sitting there at 29 depending on how the board fell i i would be actually excited about yeah, that pick no for sure um but I'm just trying to think, walk myself through. So if they trade up, you know, say they trade up to 21 or 22, kind of like we think they might, and the guy is Christian Wilkins, like I could be talked into that. Um, I, I, I don't know. But you still, still, you still, you still got a new edge. There would be. Oh, well, I'm starting end to think. Corner. I'm starting to think. Can Christian Wilkins play that strong side D end? I think he can. I think he can. I don't know, uh, but I don't think he. That's necessarily where where you want him to live. No, I I, I don't. I don't know if I would
1: want that to happen.
2: And I, it's it, maybe in a pinch he could do it. But I think he could do it and I think he could do it at a pretty decently high level cuz he's got a little bit of band in, in, in some He's juice He's flexible for a guy, for a guy, like guy his that. size. You but, saw him do
1: the splits. Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean I don't know. That's an interesting that's a good interesting question and I'm just kind of the wheels are kind of just turning on that it's as fine. we're talking about it. But I yeah, I think I could be talked into him I if mean, you're going to trade up i wouldn't be i wouldn't be slamming my fist against the table about it i would be scratching my head a little bit i wouldn't be upset like he's a good football player i think
1: the way i look at it is though if you're going to trade an asset let's say you trade your third round pick to move up to get him now you've got two seconds not a ton of flexibility to maneuver round two and you still need an edge and you still need a corner you know so it's like that kind of just pigeonholes you a little bit to address get a good football player but address a need you're not you're not really addressing a need right um uh, our guy country boy asks uh who are some late round edge gems well it's it here's the thing there's not a ton. I, if you're gonna talk about like day three edges i don't think there's a ton of guys that make like a ton of sense for the Chiefs, right? Like, there's there's good players, uh, but as far as like, are they gonna are they gonna fit that long, you know, dense four three defensive end kind of mold? Like, there's really not a ton of guys. Maybe like day two, if you're gonna mm-hmm. talk about day two, like I think there's there's some guys that make sense. Like a Charles Amenihu might make sense. Maybe even an Anthony Nelson. Um, they they want. Like, it sounds like they're gonna want you know some longer denser, you know, six, four 260-pound kind of edges. And so there's not like a ton
2: of true edges like that. I don't know what you think. James. Here's a guy for you that that's interesting. You know, Spagnolo has talked about, and he's even said he wants guys that fit the mold of someone that can withstand a lot of stunts and twists. Um, yeah. Someone who's really good at that, is Wyatt Ray from Boston College? Yeah. In fact, that's like probably his best trait is is he can really come screaming through on those on those stunts and twists, and he is that bigger. Um, you know, kind of that bigger edge type that could probably play with his hand in the dirt. And that's what he does right now, not in love with him, And that's why he's a day three type guy for me. But when you talk about late round guys, he's a guy that when we talk about traits, when you talk about things that he can do, um, that's something Wyatt Ray can do. So I think he's a guy worth keeping an eye on. And, and that kind of stands out to me just because, you know, the D coordinator said that's the type of guy they want. And that's something he is good at. So uh, he's a guy for me worth keeping an eye on, on day three. That's Wyatt Ray out of Boston college. But even outside of that, like, Man, there's, it, I guess those guys it, go early. And you know? they
1: do. And I think that's the reality. And I think that's why we're talking about trying to move up the board is there's really just not a ton of guys that are really fitting the mold. Uh, at Wasted Motion asks, if Tyron Johnson from Oklahoma State is a legit 4-3, uh, 40 guy like his pro day was, does that show on tape? And do you like him in the later rounds? Jake, you are our primary evaluator
2: on Tyron Johnson. What did you think about him? Well, to answer the question, yes, he he is a four, he's fast. You can tell he's fast on tape. That's about it. He looks, he looks like a track guy. You know, he does. He looks like one of those types of he's out there. He's fast. He's kind of like trying to get like into his running form on his nine route. And that's just kind of how he is. You know, when I watched him, I actually watched him today and you know, I, he ran that super fast time at his pro day. And it, it gets you excited. That speed gets you excited. But he doesn't have great hands. His his route tree is more like a stick, and he <laughs> he just doesn't he doesn't look like a wide receiver right now. He looks like a fast guy out there in football pads. And so that's kind of your concern. Now, do I like him in the later rounds? Sure. If you if he's sitting there like late day three, that's the type. You, we again talk about traits. That's a dominant trait. He's fast. He can run. You can take a flyer on a guy like that in the 7th round sure I could I could see that that'd be fine but he's he is a project make no mistake about it yeah. he is very much a project
1: At Displaced Chief asks, what does Nasir Adderley lack that keeps him from being your safety one? Um, Jake, I'll let you stand for
2: him because I know he's – is he your safety one or is Chauncey? He will be if he tests like I think he's going to just because him and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson are so neck and neck right now and Gardner-Johnson tested well, so he's a sliver ahead of Adderley right now. But if Adderley tests um, just even above average – he's going to be my safety one. And so really to answer the question, nothing he's, he's my safety one. I think if you're looking for a guy on the back end with range, that's going to be a playmaker. That's going to take the ball away. Um, He's going to be the guy that you want to get. I think he's one of the best coverage safeties in this draft class, if not the best.
1: I I have some issues with him. Um, And it's not like, I mean, I still think he's a good player. I think he's one of the top 30 players in this class, maybe, you know, 35, maybe even a little higher than that. Um, I think there are some questions with him tackling on tape I think you know he he missed some very easy tackles that he should have made uh, I do like the, the level of competition here's the thing that is is kind of an issue with him he hasn't played a high level of competition consistently he was hurt during the process his senior bowl he did not get to show what kind of player he was at the highest level because he was working through a high ankle sprain he really didn't get to do much at the combine and now he's leaning on his pro day
2: which is today which is today it may or may not have happened when you're listening to this
1: so this is this is a big test for him to see what he te- what he looks like what he tests at that could help him through the process. Or
2: hurt. Or hurt. We've talked about it on this very podcast. If he comes out and runs a four-five, which is not a terrible time, but for him it would be. That would be de- that would be detrimental to his process. He's because a, he's a round he needs locks. he needs to run fast.
1: Yeah, and um, he's he's a very good football player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's got a phenomenal mentality. I think he plays with his hair on fire. Um, there's not a ton of uh, there's not a ton of holes in his game. Uh, you would it, like to see him tackle better.
2: And I, I agree with that. But for me, that's probably the that's probably the fourth thing on my list for safety. So that's like a preference thing. But if If, you're
1: you're talking about a safety one, if you're talking about safety one, I mean, we're not talking about separating, you know. And
2: that's what, if you would say like him and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think are pretty unanimously, especially us on this team are our top two safeties. You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a better tackler. He's a little bit more physical. I think he's a little more versatile too. Because he's
1: played outside corner, he's played inside corner. I think
2: Adderley can do that. I think, I really think he can. And so that's that's why I say like I think you get, you give up that physicality for a guy that I think is better in coverage on the back end. But we we differ on that a little bit. So that's an interesting one to talk about. Oh, for sure. Both those players are I like both those players yeah. a lot. But um, but yeah. So I think that's I think Kent hit the nail on the head. That's that's what most people are going to keep him from being your safety one level of competition and the tackling concerns. And then I mean honestly injuries too. He's he's been dinged up. He's that not the too. biggest guy.
1: There's and there's there's not there's no knock for being safety two. Like, that's the other thing. Like, this here's a good player. He's a really good player. At Mush in nine asks with all the defensive line uh, beef in the draft, what late first day two D tackles would make the Chiefs take a long hard look before uh, addressing a pressing need. So one guy I think that would really like, I don't if he falls because of injury because of off field. If Jeffrey Simmons is sitting there in the back end of round two. I would do it. Like, you know, hard, I might trade up for Jeffrey Simmons.
2: In round two? In round two. Yeah. I would move up. And he's not, a guy that's not... Talking, they're talking late first, early second. Though. Yeah, or so I you Are saying if he's sitting there around pick 40? If
1: he's in, the, if he's there at 40, just trade up and get sure. a, a top 10 player that's not going to be available to start training camp. He may miss part of his rookie year, but you're getting tremendous value. Um, Some guys that, you know, like Tristan, we talked about him this week, and this is a guy that I've really enjoyed getting into his tape, and we talked about him a little bit on the laboratory. Round two, I would would not have any issues taking Tristan Hill, the Mm -hmm. defensive lineman from Central Florida. He has some of the most fun tape in this entire class he doesn't know totally what he's doing quite yet like he's still putting it all together i think but his first step get off is exceptional he gets into the chest of interior offensive linemen with consistency um he's disruptive uh he plays with his hair on fire and he kind of uh he's, he's a little erratic at times uh but he's flexible athletic explosive powerful plays hard he's a guy that i really like um so yeah, like honestly, like I don't think I really have a ton of issues with taking interior offensive line. It's just where you get them, you know. It, it I don't think you trade up for interior defensive line necessarily unless it's like a a consensus top five guy for us, like like a Ed Oliver. Or but like, Simmons. Like if so Simmons. To, yeah, yeah, if someone falls, yeah, someone falls to twenty nine, like if the board sits bad and you know Wilkins is there or uh, Tillery's there at twenty nine, like sure, go ahead. Uh, T-
2: Tiller's is the other guy that I was going to mention. That if he's sitting there around pick thirty five, forty, he starts to slide a little bit. He's a guy that could be disruptive, you know, interior in, in, from an interior pass rush perspective. That yeah. might be a guy that would interest the Chiefs to move up and get because they need pass rush anyway they can get it. And Here, on, yeah, the quickest he, way the quarterback is is interior at one tech. Yeah, yeah. So.
1: Disruption interior inter- disruption is production, and interior disruption matters. Uh, at Ryan eleven Alexander asks. What are your thoughts
2: on Anthony Nelson, Jake? I will let you start on this guy. Dude, I love Anthony Nelson. I really do. And his testing numbers, and Anthony Nelson, he's the guy you played at Iowa, and he is just a guy that as a as a as a pass rusher, it's a little bit of a slow burn. And he's he's kind of a smooth guy. He tested really well, that doesn't really show up on tape. You can tell he's a good athlete on tape, but he's not like your twitchy, explosive type guy. I think he's a guy that that can play Edge, can play DN. He can be an eight-sack a guy, you know, eight sack a year, maybe pushing double digits in his prime. But what really gets me excited about Anthony Nelson is just how just how dominant he can be in stretches in the in the defensive run game. And one thing I love about him is I th- I believe it was Mississippi State. It was a bowl game. And he had I mean, three plays back to back to back goal line stand type plays late in the game that his team needed. And that's that's heart. That's that's you look at a guy and say like do, what does he have what it takes to be a dominant player? And when you put him on a goal line stand like that, you know, that's like the you know just the old drill of of saying, you know, it's you versus the opponent. You can't let him cross the goal line what do you got left in the tank to make a stop? And he did it three times in a row. And that is eye-opening to me. And I love that stuff because that tells me Anthony Nelson is a guy that loves this sport and he's going to go lay it out there for his teammates. And then on top of that, he tested really well. Yeah, so um, tested exceptionally high. So, you know, you say it doesn't show up on tape, but you got to really wonder, okay, so then how was Iowa using him? Maybe were they not asking him to get upfield, get after the quarterback as much? I don't know. Um, but... He's a guy that that's really intriguing to me. Size, weight, speed, effort, all that's all it's there. He's got everything in his toolbox. Um, so he's a guy that that I really like, especially when you start talking about that second tier of pass pass rushers in this draft class. Um Anthony Nelson is right up there with any of those guys. At D Johnston twenty nine asks, What which players
1: do you trade up for on day two? So you know, I think it kind of just depends on what happens in the first round, right? So if they move up, if they use their third round pick to try to trade all the way up, you know, to uh, to like 21 or 20, you know, you, you've kind of got to make some decisions there on how you're going to maneuver the board because you've got two second round picks. You've got uh, a fifth, a sixth, and two sevenths at that point. So, or two sixth and a seventh. The, there's a lot of decisions you got to make because if you're too aggressive after being aggressive with your first round pick... What are you? You're, you're, you've got a huge gap in selections. You don't have any flexibility. You're probably dipping into your 2020 arsenal. Uh, I, I think it just kind of depends. However, I'll answer this question. You know, if, if they need to move up, you look at guys like uh, one of those cornerbacks. Like if Justin Lane falls into the late 30s, you go aggressively grab him. Jeffrey Simmons, like we just talked about, a player like him. I think it's definitely to address either edge or corner. Like I think that's really. If that's your if you're if you're trying to to maneuver the board, it's going to be for an edge or a corner. One of those guys we talked about with Craig trying to get into that tier a little higher, um, or you know uh, maybe you know or a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, or you know something crazy happens at edge where yeah I, I don't even know I don't know if there, I I don't know if there's really going to be an edge that makes a sense. It's probably one of the corners if you're going into round two.
2: Corners are one of those safeties that we even just talked about today. Sure. Um I don't know if they want but that's the thing. I don't know if they want to trade up for a safety. It depends what they do with 29 or yeah. what they do with that first pick. If they go out and get an edge, then they're not going to trade up probably for one unless they are absolutely in love with that guy, then maybe they double dip and do that. But that's a tough question to answer truthfully because so much because we don't have all the information yet. You know, it's really going to depend what they depend on what they do with that 29th pick. And that's what's it that's what's so fascinating
1: about this whole thing and this whole process is how they're going to maneuver the board. And You know Brett Veach is going to be aggressive to acquire the players he likes, but how does he do it? I have a couple theories with how he could do it with his two second-round picks, and that's actually going to be a a full-fledged article in the guide, uh, kind of talking about some of Brett Veach's tendencies and some of the strategies that he's done to trade and maneuver the board. Because even though it's only been one year, there's a lot of sample size of things that he's done. So uh, that's going to be something that we're going to have in the guide.
2: And there's always always, always two or three guys that are sitting there around pick 35, 40 on the beginning of day two that people are wondering, what? Why are they there? You know, Josh Jackson was a guy like that last year. Miles Jack has been a guy like that in the past. Ruben Foster was like a top 10 pick until he wasn't. You know, so like there's these guys that even we may be talking about them right now and maybe not even talking about them because we're just like, you know, Ed Oliver has no chance at escaping (laughs) the top 20. And then before you know it, (laughs) <laughs> oh, wait a second yeah I know Ken's looking at me like, like but, all over. <laughs> but he doesn't uh, but you never know he's one of the more controversial guys in this draft class would you be shocked if he slips out of the first round stunned still and I'll be mad if the Chiefs don't take him mm. I'll be mad but uh, compared to some of these other but no, you I, talk I, about I, I the t- you know, pre, like, guys that are like pegged top 15 guys right now he's a guy that I think could fall sure. probably not But but if you have a 5% chance it happens every year Someone does fall every year. You're always surprised by somebody. Well, that
1: is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. We will be back with the AP Laboratory on Tuesday and another draft show again next Friday.
5: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.